Monday, April 24th. Flames Talk coming at you from our Sportsnet 960 downtown studios. Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hopefully you had a good weekend. And uh, we kick things off. we got a lot to talk about, even though the Flames haven't played in almost two weeks. And it's now been a week since we've gotten any news from the Flames in terms of the, the future direction of the organization. Lots to talk about for you on a Monday. This hour, Daily Flames Roundtable with Wilsey in a little bit. But we got a little news for you on Monday. Is the uh, Well, first of all, welcome to Calgary Wranglers playoff week as they get going on Wednesday. Game one and two against the Abbotsford Canucks Wednesday, Friday at the Scotiabank Saddledome before the best of five shifts to the lower mainland. Um, and as they gear up for a playoff run, sounds like uh, Walker Dewar and the Flames closing in on a contract extension. And, you know, one of those, I think a story that that is worth talking about because of all the negativity that has surrounded the Flames over the last little bit, Walker Dewar was one of the real positive stories for the Calgary Flames last year. An undrafted college-free agent who made his NHL debut in one game last year, was a story at 2022 training camp, had a great first full pro season, mostly in the American League, and then this year parlayed that into really pushing for a full-time spot in the NHL. And while he only played 27 NHL games, I think most of us came away from his time with the Flames saying, man, Walker Dewar looks like he belongs in this league. Walker Dewar belongs like uh, be- looks like he should be a full-time member of this team. And so uh, signing him to an extension, we uh, it's, it's not official as of yet, and uh, I'm not exactly sure the terms as of yet, but... Uh, I, I would guess multiple years and, and an opportunity for him to build on what was a really, really good second professional year and a real positive story in a year lacking a lot of them for the Flames. Well, and not to correct you so early in Flames talk, but you left out an important point, which is the NHL's all-time leading scorer from South Dakota. No, but he is 11 ahead of uh, the... The, on, on top of the all-time leading South Dakota scoring list. Well, and that's one way to look at it, or you can say he has 11 times more. I don't know. How do you do that when it's zero? Cause, uh, you know, this is getting off the tracks yep. pretty quickly, isn't it? I don't know how it? to do yeah. math very well. You know what? That I take it back. Um, yeah, a nice piece of, of business by the Flames to, you know, as we await as we await the terms, as we await exactly what that contract's going to look like, it it makes perfect sense that this is a guy that you want to keep in the fold, um, that you want to have in the the fold long term. He's he's an emerging piece, but he's a guy that can immediately fill a role for you. And and by in saying that, what I mean is I don't think there's a question left out there about walk, what Walker Dewar is. Yep. And, and I think there's still 
questions about maybe what Jacob Pelche is going to be at the NHL level in terms of where you're best to sort of slot him in your lineup. There, There's questions. Usually when you're bringing a guy up from the minors, you're not sure exactly where he fits. That's not the case anymore with Walker Dewar. And if this guy is a fixture, whether it's for the next two, next three seasons on your fourth line, I think that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, and it's it's one of those it's one of those moves that I think I think we're talking about a low key important piece for uh, the team going forward. And look, I mean, I think he is what he is. He's a bottom six right winger, but we're taught we talked all year, especially as we moved into the second half of the season, and it looked like it was going to be a non-playoff year or it was trending in being a non-playoff year for the Flames. We talked all year about a younger look in your bottom six, and it never really worked with Matthew Phillips, and um, and, and he never really got that opportunity. And now you take a look at Pelche, and he sat for however many, so many games down the stretch. Walker Dewar was that one guy who was able to kind of carve out a regular-ish role in the second half of the season. And I think it's really, and this is no knock on Trevor Lewis or Milan Lucic, who both contributed in their own ways. And, and I mean, Trevor Lewis did so all year long in the 82 he played. And Milan had some stretches where he was effective, especially as a fourth liner. But I think it's really important to go younger in your bottom six next year. I think it's really important to have guys like Walker Dewar be everyday players where you can just pencil them in on your lineup card each and every night. And if you can have an average age on your fourth line of around 25 or 26, I think it gives the Flames a much different looking dynamic going into next season. And and I think it's important for them to have that. You know, as per usual, you've found better words so far than I have because I like the way you put it. This this guy, I said fourth liner. I think bottom six is probably a better way to describe where Walker Dewar is going to fit next season. I think primarily fourth line, but you, you mentioned Milan Lucic, and one thing that I think is important not to overlook with the news that Walker Dewar, as you reported, is close to a contract extension is that in that bottom six or on that fourth line, you need guys that can occasionally slide up the lineup. And we saw that with Milan Lucic at different points this season. And I know lots of times the city was on fire about it. Walker Dewar with seven goals in 27 games. Yeah. I think flashed potential to be a guy that you can bump up your lineup when you either need a spark or an injury replacement who isn't going to look out of place there. And the biggest weapon that Walker Dewar brings that I think can be an asset to any line is that speed and that work. This is not a guy who is tailor-made to be finishing off passes from Jonathan Huberto, but if he needs to play a couple shifts in that role, again, because of injury or whatever the case may be, you've got a guy who can bring some speed, who can bring some energy to a line. And I think we both agree that he's best suited to be one of those guys who plays down your lineup. But maybe what's changed in the last two and a half months with Walker Dewar is I don't think it's far-fetched now that he could see spot duty a little further up. And those guys are really valuable to have in your organization. Well, and he was... 
really effective in his role. And so you go and you isolate it. And I always isolate guys who have played 25 or more. I think 25 is a good sample size. It's, you know, more than a quarter of a season. And Walker Dewar at five on five in his role. And that's why I always look at these per 60 rates, because it gives you a better example of what they do relative to their ice time. And in his role as a fourth line right winger, he was on the team number four in shot attempts per 60 minutes at five on five. He was number two in shots per 60 minutes at five on five, number one in goals per 60 and number one in points per 60. He was in his role, one of, if not the most efficient, effective player. Again, relative to their role, because Tyler Toffoli was one of their most effective players uh, in his role. So was Michael Backlund. So was Blake Coleman. And and so was Walker Dewar. And I think those are the type of guys. Garnet Hathaway is the example that I keep on using. And that's what he was as a member of the Flames. That's what Derek Ryan was. That's what Andrew Mangiapane was when he was breaking into the league. If you can be effective in your role, maybe you do move up the lineup or maybe you don't but you remain an effective player when you're put over the boards for whether it's 12 or 20 minutes and Dewar was that guy in his limited role this year I I he he's turned into a really nice find for this uh, for this group yeah and I think when we're talking to Walker Dewar a few seasons from now if he has emerged as one of those guys that is an every nighter in the NHL and and I know you and I both believe that's the way he's trending Clearly, the Calgary Flames are confident that that's the way he's training. I think looking back in a few seasons, he's going to give a lot of credit to Trevor Lewis. Those guys had a lot of conversations down the stretch about bringing the same game every night, bringing the same energy every night. I know that already has sort of clicked for Walker Dewar, and that's the next step. Daryl Sutter took him out a few times, and... And it was, especially when it first happened, you you didn't necessarily criticize that move by the coach that, you know, Walker Dewar's game had perhaps plateaued a little bit. I think he's already started to show more of the consistency that you need in that role. Yeah. And at 25, this isn't a guy who's still trying to figure it out. Yeah, he took the long way to the NHL prototypical sort of late bloomer. And yet at 25, I think he... I think he knows now what he can be in the NHL and and I'm excited to see it for a full season because you need this sort of speed. We don't have the contract terms, but you need guys who are making potentially less than a million dollars or around a million dollars, whatever that number is going to come out at. You need those guys on your roster. That's how you build a competitive team and yeah. We've given lots of, of kudos on this program to the Flames for finding Walker Dewar in the first place. Now it looks like, you know, they've got a keeper on their hands. Well, and, and I just, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a really cool story. It's, uh, this is a guy that they were down scouting, um, and, and I believe there were, if I remember correctly, there were a couple of guys that they were watching on that Minnesota State team in in the NCAA and every time they went down there the area scout and Craig Conroy were like this uh this doer guy every time he plays he only he doesn't play a ton he was kind of in a middle six bottom six-ish role even at Minnesota State when they went and watched him but every time they went and looked at him they're like boy this guy pops every time and 
every time they saw him, they're like, okay, we got to write this guy down again. And eventually they're like, you know what? This guy looks, and it's, it's tough to project kind of roll to roll going level to level. Like a guy who is playing a little further down the depth chart in the NCAA to be able to project that and say, oh, that's a skill set that could translate to the same role in the NHL. That's that's tough to do. And and I that was a good eye by the Flames and their scouting staff to be able to identify that, you know what? This translates to the American League. This translates to the NHL because he was not one of their, you know, in his senior year, he was sixth in scoring on that team. So it's not like it's not like he was it wasn't Spencer Foo, right, who was having that crazy year when when they signed him. This is a guy that they looked at and said, this guy translates to a very certain role at the NHL or professional level. And I think it's part of why he's had the success he's had so soon. And to be, you know, looking like a guy who could be a full-timer in the NHL just two seasons out of college puts you on a, a pretty fast track and in terms of especially a guy who was under the radar and and undrafted and I think part of his success is the fact that he knew this role already we debated for hours on end about whether Matthew Phillips could be a fourth liner or a third liner in the NHL and and the reason that we debated it is because he's never done it at any level and that's not a knock on Matthew Phillips that's how important of a scorer he's been at every level you know, when you have a guy who's played that sort of bottom six role or that bottom six style all the way up, and we saw this with Garnet Hathaway, I think when they reach the highest level, they know exactly what they're there to do. I'm actually, I'm really curious to watch Walker do it during this playoff run with the Calgary Wranglers because they're going to play him on their second line, which is something they didn't do earlier this season. Yeah. He was always a third liner. He was on that checking line that, Brett Sutter is sort of the focal point or or the elder statesman on. And so I think that just shows what he's proven in the last few months that now they're going to play him beside Connor Zary on a, a line that's going to be expected to contribute. And it shows the eyes that he's continued to open. Well, let's pivot from there. Again, if you're just joining us uh, on Flamestock, if you're listening live, uh, or if you're uh, catching us halfway through the podcast, Walker Dewar sounds like he's closing in on a contract extension with the Calgary Flames after a really, really positive year where he put up seven goals and 11 points in his 27 NHL games and is now putting himself in a spot where I think the expectation, rightfully so, would be he is in your opening night lineup come next season and we don't know what the roster is going to look like for October 3rd or 5th or whenever the season starts but as of right now everything that we saw from Walker Dewar in the regular season everything that we've seen from him in two years in the American League would suggest he's ready for the NHL and in training camp he's ready to push for a full-time job right off the hop really positive story one of the you know top bright spots for the Calgary Flames this season was the emergence of Walker Dewar in his role with the team so we'll wait for official word on uh, the contract terms and what that extension looks like in the next little bit and if I could make a plea to whoever the next general manager of the Flames is yes I I would hope that after what Walker Dewar has shown, he would not be up against a glut of veterans at training camp. Agreed. And not saying Agreed. that he doesn't need the competition, but 
this team has been guilty, I think, sometimes in the past of filling too many positions with those veterans. I, I think we saw it with Brett Ritchie this fall, you know, a guy who wasn't signed for a while. And and maybe there wasn't a, a young guy ready to take that role at training camp. But I would hope after his audition with the Flames that Walker Dewar is not looking up the depth chart at a bunch of, let's call them proven fourth liners. It It's his time to prove that he can do that job on an every night basis. Yeah. And whoever is calling the shots at the Saddle Dome, I sure hope that path is open to him. Yeah, well said. And, you know, if they if if they were to come to a conclusion or have a chat with, say, Ruzicka, and it's determined that maybe another organization is is best for him, and, and quite honestly, uh, that's just me speculating. I, I don't know anything. I, I've got nothing on that. I, I do believe Dewar and the Flames are close to an extension. This is me. The This is me just speculating on Rizicka just because it hasn't worked very well over the last little bit. So say that that does happen. Um, Let me jump in really quick because I chatted. Oh, and look at that. It's official. Two-year, one-way contract for Walker Dewar. Good for Walker Dewar. I chatted with Adam Ruzicka on Locker Cleanout Day, and I thought exactly what you were saying, that it would have made perfect sense for Adam Ruzicka either 23 years old or just about to turn 23 to to go in after sitting almost every game down the stretch and say, you know what, a change of scenery might be good for me. And so I asked Adam Ruzicka, well, what, what was your message when you went into your exit meeting mm-hmm. today? And he told me, I told them that I want to be a part of the future for this team, that I want to play every game, and that I want to help us win. And and I think he could see sort of the surprise on my face. And I asked him, well, after the way things went down the stretch, well, why do you want to be a part of the future? And and he just said, this this organization's invested in me. They drafted me. It's the only team I've known, and I think I can help here. Yep. Now, does every guy tell you the truth about their exit meetings? No. And so maybe there's more to it, but... Just because you brought it up, I wanted to share that. I, you know, for those who haven't seen what I wrote about my interview with Adam that day, it sounds like he wants to be a part of the future. And after what he went through at the end of the season, after the amount of hockey he watched, I think that's a really good sign. Uh, and uh, it is a two-year deal, uh, one-way contract for Walker Dewar, who signs with the Calgary Flames. Uh, and I, I like that. 825000 is your AAV. Um, and that's that's a really, really nice deal. Now, it walks him to unrestricted free agency. And so he'll be UFA when this deal is done. But 825 gives them really nice flexibility for a regular on the roster this year. And I, I like that. Like I don't like, from a Flames perspective, that it walks him to unrestricted free agency because... That's what happened with Garnet Hathaway, and they lost him because he priced himself out for where the Flames were. And I think there is a potential of that happening. If it were me, I would have gone three years if I could with Dewar. That being said, I like the fact that it's a $825,000 AAV. So for the next two years, they've got really nice um, cost certainty for a guy that should be a fairly close to everyday player for them over the course of the two-way contract. And, you know, to keep 
keep that dollar figure down to go three years, you probably would have had to go closer to a million dollars for a guy like Dewar. So to keep that dollar figure down under six, under seven figures, rather, you probably could only go two years, and that allows the dollar figure to be lower. And then the upside for Dewar and his camp is that it walks him to unrestricted free agency and gives him a little bit more leverage when it comes to an end. Yeah, and and I think at that point, and you talk about the investment that Craig Conroy made in getting Walker Dewar signed in the first place, I. I know that Walker Dewar feels some loyalty to the Flames for the the chance that they took on him, the the opportunity they gave him to play pro hockey, and, and we're looking a long ways out. But you would hope in two years, as he nears unrestricted free agency, if it's been a nice fit here in Calgary, that he would be open to certainly staying. I'm not saying that he owes them any sort of hometown discount or whatever at that point, but this is this is good value I think for the Flames for the next two years you find out exactly what Walker Dewar is and then both are in a good position at that point to see what comes next now the reason I brought up Ruzichka is because okay maybe maybe it doesn't maybe they do go in different directions he has another year on his contract so there's you know that 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 would have to be something that is a decision but if they wanted to bring back Trevor Lewis in that case I'd be okay with that on another one-year deal just because of a, the connection that he and Walker had, they worked really, really well together as a tandem. And and B, because then all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, who is who is that next 4C? And that would be a way. No, if you wanted to go Zary, if you wanted to get – I think there are other options, but I would be okay with that if there became an opening. But as of right now, I thought Trevor Lewis was great for this team this year. And I know that I'm kind of – I don't want to say I'm on an island, but I know there was a lot of pushback on Dewar this on, – on Lewis this year, rather – but I thought he was really strong for him and did his job very, very well. Now, if they were to move on, I get it. Same with Lucic. And I think that there is a lot to be said about doing that to give younger players another chance. But if all of a sudden the need arose and now Lindholm is left uh, or you've traded away Lindholm and Backlund or whatever the case may be, because who the hell knows what this roster looks like at the end of the offseason, then he'd be the one guy that I would double back on if he doesn't have a contract elsewhere. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I I do think it's also a benefit. Obviously, it's a benefit to have the Calgary Wranglers in the AHL playoffs. I, I think this is also an opportunity to assess what you have on your farm team in high stakes games. You know, is Connor Zari a guy who might be ready to see some time at the NHL level? What we all forget, and, and rightly so, quite frankly, about Kevin Rooney, a guy who signed for another year with the Flames organization. Is he a guy who can salvage that fourth line center game that appealed to them in the first place? And so these are questions that uh, playoff run in the AHL can help you answer. But to your point on Trevor Lewis, one of the bright spots for the Flames this year was their penalty kill. Well, he's a big part of that. This is a guy who at his age played 82 games, who was a guy who, quite frankly, didn't deserve to come out of the lineup, who was a big part of their PK. And so if you end up bringing him back at at another bargain contract, I don't think that's a bad thing. Just don't bring too many fourth liners in on bargain contracts. Leave some room for Walker Dewar and the kids. Agreed 100%. It would only be if all of a sudden now you're like, okay, we've... 
there's been a few things that have happened. Sure. And, um, and I mean, Lewis did play 82 this year, which is pretty cool for him at the age of 35 and 36. Meant a lot to him. I chatted with him. It, About getting 82 it, it of did. 82 it, it's only the second time in his career that he's done it. First time in uh, six years. Yeah. Years, yeah. yeah. It was, as he put it, and I'm just paraphrasing, but as he put it, he's not a spring chicken anymore. And so uh, it did mean a lot to him. And it nudges him pretty close to a big yeah. number, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. It's uh, good for him. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, And just quickly, before we hit the round table, I know that you wrote about Dewar and Pelche today. Those are two guys that we have penciled, penned into the opening night lineup for next season. Here's a really big opportunity for the Flames in there. We're, we're going to talk to Mitch Love on Mondays. He'll join us in the second hour of Flames Talk. And his team starts their Calder Cup run on Wednesday against Abbotsford, where the Canucks will be a really tough out for the Wranglers. But you've got Connor Zeri, who had a really good training camp. You've got Pelche and Dewar, obviously Dustin Wolf. You've got Matthew Phillips and how he may or may not factor into the team going forward. You know, Jeremy Poirier is an all-rookie in the American League. Like They've got some important pieces that this playoff experience will be huge for and for a number of guys Pelche and Dewar being the the tops of that list but I think a few others like here's a really uh, good opportunity for them to get a little bit more experience and a little bit more of a fire lit under them going into the offseason see if they can bring that into next year's training camp and maybe Zeri can do it again and Pelche and Dewar make the team as we expect. And, and maybe Zeri is around right till the end and he makes it this year. I just, I, I think this is a really important stretch for the flames organizationally with some of their top prospects as they kick off the Calder cup run and, and the American league playoffs for the Wranglers start on Wednesday at the dome. Yeah. And I have a story on, on Dewar and Pelche that is, is either up, at the post media sites or should be up any minute. And and I love the way Jacob Pelche put it in my conversation with him. He said, the experience that I've had in the NHL should help me for this playoff run. But the experience that I have on this playoff run should help me for my future in the NHL. And I just thought, what, what great perspective. Cause you sometimes wonder, you know, you get to the end of a season and you've been playing in the NHL and you've been traveling on the, charter and making big bucks like do you do you want to go back to the ahl and you know i i posed that question to walker doer today's big story before we knew of his contract extension and and he kind of said well look at what this team has done this season the wranglers finished in first place in the entire league why wouldn't you want to come join these guys this is the best time year to play hockey so as he put it to me, it's not hard to get excited about. And, you know, just one thing that kind of stuck out from my conversations with both of them is the Wranglers were never out of mind for them. Jacob Pelche told me that when the Flames and Wranglers were home at the same time and the Flames didn't have a game and the Wranglers did, and this won't surprise anyone knowing Jacob Pelche, he'd go sit with the wives and girlfriends and the the rest of the loved ones in the family section at the Saddle Dome and cheer on his buddies. You could just imagine Jacob Pelche, a kid who's playing on the second line in the NHL, sitting in the seats at the Saddle Dome cheering his buddies on. It's it's so Jacob Pelche. And I don't think that Walker Dewar was going to a ton of the games, but he 
he told me, and, and maybe he can get his own now that he's got a one-way contract for the next two seasons, but he told me he phoned his parents after he got called up by the Flames and said, hey, I need your AHL TV login because I want to watch the Wranglers. Nice. And so I think that sort of speaks to the level of investment that those two have. And I think that not just for them, but for those two as, as they you know, potentially get ready to bid farewell to the AHL. I think this is going to be super valuable experience. I, I think it's going to determine in a lot of ways what the future, the immediate future looks like for Dustin Wolf. It's going to show a guy like Jeremy Poirier, who is really proud of the strides he's making made. I'm sorry, as a defender, what it takes to be, you know, really good in your own zone in a, playoff atmosphere at the pro level so this is this is all gravy for the flames like like to expose your top up-and-comers to playoff hockey and potentially to a long run it's great it, yep. it's it's just all great pat and wes along with you by the way go get your tickets game one wednesday seven o'clock at the Dome, Wranglers, Canucks. Should be a lot of fun. Tickets are a hot commodity, uh, and they might have to just keep on opening sections as this playoff run continues. It's kind of got that feel to it. He's Wes. I'm Pat. We're coming at you on this hour of Flames Talk from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. They're your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Flames Talk is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. All right, time for our Monday Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. It's not too late. They've extended their 4% loyalty rates on all in-stock 2022 models. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills just minutes from the Calgary airport. It's Pat, Wes, and now Derek Wills, radio voice of the Flames, joins us to complete our Daily Flames roundtable. And, gents, here's a fun one to kick around because, Derek, as you know, it's been a topic that's been out there for the last, oh, I don't know, two years, ever since the Flames no longer had Mark Giordano in the fold after he was captain for nine seasons. And they have not had a captain since Mark Giordano's departure in the summer of 2021. So here we are two seasons later. I guess we'll, it'll, we can kind of branch off, but as we move into next season and as we look ahead to next season, should they have a captain for next year? Is how, how crucial is that? How important is it for the flames to have a captain for next year? From a hockey perspective, I don't think it's that important. I'm not saying it's not important. I just don't think that having a captain would have solved all of the Flames' problems this season on the ice and off the ice. Could have helped uh, in some way, shape, or form with some things, I suppose. But you know, for me, uh, a captain can do uh, a bunch of things for a team. It can uh, be the, the clear go-to guy uh, in the dressing room and on the bench and on the ice. But you know, I think it's uh, as much about being, uh, in a way, the face of the franchise and representing the team off the ice as well and, and in the community. And you know, both uh, Jerome McGinley and uh, Mark Rodano did a great job of that. So uh, I, I think it would be 
good to have a captain, but I also don't think that uh, not having one would mean uh, impending doom for the Flames next season. Uh, They didn't have one last season, and they won the Pacific Division and won a playoff series and didn't have one this season, and uh, things didn't go as well. So uh, I don't think that you can say, well, the captain's going to fix all of this team's problems, but it would be nice to have someone with that C on that could, again, be uh, in in a way the face of the franchise and be the the go-to guy in the room. And maybe you do have a little bit more pull if uh, you've got that uh, the captaincy. And I think the Flames had a really strong group of alternate captains this season, but uh, nobody wearing the C, uh, at least uh, not with that letter on their jersey. I think there were a couple of guys who, who in their own way, uh, did a lot of the same duties that a captain would. Michael Backlund would probably be at the top of that list for me, but uh, I don't think it's uh, going to make a, a huge difference, but it could make some difference, and I guess every little bit helps. I think it's a tricky spot because I believe that they are that that they would benefit from having a captain. I, I think it would be helpful to have that one voice in the room that that sort of has the the power instead of having four alternates i'm not saying they they're speaking over each other but instead of that by committee approach i i think there's a lot to be said about finally naming a captain and yet with what we heard from michael backland especially on locker cleanout day about how he's not totally sure that that he's open to signing an extension here at this point with Chris Tanev being a year out like Backlund is from unrestricted free agency, I would actually argue that the Flames are further from having an obvious captain candidate than they were at the start of this season when they decided they still weren't going to name a captain. And so that's a tricky spot because, yes, I I think the Flames should have a captain, and yet I'm not sure and I, I don't, Want to spoil the next part because I I know the next we, question. And you know yeah. what? We can just go right there. Like it's not it's not like it's regimental. It's just uh, it's, a, it's a another thought experiment. Well, I was trying to avoid that part of it. No, well, go go yeah, go for it. You guys, go, you guys go dive right in. You go ahead, Wes. Well, I I just don't know that the candidate is obvious. If I if I was naming the captain and and full disclaimer, as everyone knows, I'm not in the locker room when they're getting ready for games and having their internal meetings, which which makes it really difficult to say who it should be. If Michael Backlund's not going to be around beyond next season, then he's out for me. It does, I'm not naming right. a captain for one season. And so, you know, I've said on, on Twitter that I think the most sort of likely captain candidate right now among the Flames' future core pieces is Rasmus Anderson. And yet, I don't know if you're taking a guy who's never worn a letter at the NHL level and putting a C on right away. And so that's why I say that while I think the Flames need a captain, they're probably further than they have been from being ready to name one. Elias Lindholm is another guy who wears a letter who's a year from unrestricted free agency and isn't the sort of loudest guy in the room. Maybe not the guy you'd put the C on Jonathan Huberto had a rough first season there. There's this, you know, bluster that his agent caused. I'm not sure you're throwing a C on his Jersey right away. And so for me, it's Rasmus Anderson, but I think you're, you're too far away from being able to confirm that just yet. Go ahead. Go ahead. Wilsey. 
Yeah, and, and that's where I'm at, Pat, is my top three candidates are all pending UFAs. Huh. Michael Backlund, number one, and then in no particular order, Elias Lindholm and Chris Tanev. And all of them were A's last season, and I think uh, you could make a strong case that all of them should be the next captain of the Calgary Flames. But the issue is all of them are going into the final season of their contracts, and two of those three guys were very noncommittal, and that might be putting it nicely uh, when it comes to their future with this franchise. Now, things could change, and they could change really quickly when it comes to those two guys and other guys as well. And uh, maybe if uh, some things change off the ice, uh, they're going to be more willing to, to put uh, pen to paper and sign long-term extension. And then that really completely changes uh, what we're talking about here. Because, you know, for me, and, and I said it through the course of the season, especially in the back half, and I'll say it again, Michael Backlund, for me, if he signs a long-term extension, should get the captaincy with it. I, I think he's earned it. Uh, third most games played in the history of the franchise. Uh, a guy who is always available to us, whether it be after a big win or a tough loss. And he's done a lot of great stuff in the community. And I think that's a big part of being the captain. Now, you have to be able to represent the team and the organization in, in different ways. And Backlund's done a great job of that. I think Elias Lindholm could do it. You know, Chris Tanev is certainly a guy who leads by example. He's been playing with one arm for the better part of a year. Uh, and then... Thinking about the new guys who are committed to this team long-term, I wondered when they gave Jonathan Huberdeau an A last season, if the plan was to potentially give him the C moving forward, just to give him a year to, to settle into a new city, to settle in with a new organization, and, and not put the pressure of being the captain on, on top of the pressure that must have come with that, uh, well, the biggest contract in the history of the franchise. But to your point, Wes, his first season with the Flames did not go well. So I would be surprised to see him wearing the C next season. But that doesn't mean that he, if he has a bounce back year, couldn't be the captain of this hockey club moving forward. But they gave him an A over Nazem Kadri, who I think you could have made a pretty strong case for, and Mackenzie Weger, who you could have made a case for. So for, for me, if, if one of these three pending UFAs that we've talked about signs long term, I think they'd all be great choices if they don't. And then I think it becomes harder. Yeah, it's funny, guys, because all year, even last two years, but especially this year, when because the first year without a captain, well, they won the Western Conference and were, did they win the Western Conference? They had the second best season. Pacific Division. They won yeah. the Pacific Division, right. It was in 2019 they won the West. Uh, but they had the second best season in franchise history. And you, you're like, well, I don't. I don't know if they were really hampered by the lack of a captain, but still there were questions that you'd get on the text line or post game saying, well, who's going to be the captain? Should they name a captain? Do they need a captain? And then this year, as things started going off the rails in late October and, and really weren't ever able to get back fully on the rails, it was brought up a lot. You know, who should be the captain? They need a captain. They need somebody to push back on Daryl. They need somebody to stand up in the room or they, whatever the case may be. And I pushed back on it. I said, I don't think, to your point right off the top, Derek, where you said, I don't think having a captain fixes the issues that ailed the team this year. I am in 100% agreement with you. I think that's bang on. And yet, I think it's time to do so. You've had two years now. You've even with, because Backlund and Lindholm were my top two guys to be the next captain of the team. 
okay, but that doesn't mean that they're the only guys that you could name. Rasmus Anderson would be my next one as well, Wes. I think that he has really stepped up as being a leader inside that room. Huberdo has a presence around him, even with the frustrating year that he had. He's still here for the next eight years, so it's not like he's going anywhere. Um, so I think that the even... Even with guys potentially leaving or not committed to signing here long term, I think you have options. And I think it is time to have that going into next season. So if you end up signing Lindholm or Backlund long term, well, then there you've got an option. Hell, you can do it in the, the same news conference. Michael Backlund is signed and we've named him team captain. Or... Maybe that doesn't happen, and maybe Lindholm gets traded this summer, and you go into next year, and, and Backlund's entering the final year of a contract. Well, you've got Rasmus Anderson. You've got other guys that you could look at and put the captaincy on if you wanted to. Weger. Anybody thought yep. about Weger? The way that guy plays? I mean, that guy that guy reminds me so much of Mark Giordano, and he's signed long-term. He's here for the next eight years as well. Like I And, and Weger is always great with us in the media and always willing to stand up and say something and drop a uh, four-letter bomb in a, in a scrum, all that type of stuff. So I think Weger, Weger's going to go play for Canada at the World Championships. Like there's a lot of leadership qualities with that guy. So I think you can go through all of your off-season stuff, guys, and still have a captain for next year. I think it's time, and I think while it may not have fixed anything this past year, I still think it would be big for them in a lot of ways to have going into next year, Wes. I think, though, guys, we're illustrating the point here. We we can't decide on who the next captain of the Flames should be, and that makes it more difficult because you can't just pick a guy out of a lineup and, and sow the sea on his jersey and expect that all the other guys in the locker room are going to immediately respect him as, okay, that's that's our guy now. And so I think, and again, I, I can't stress enough that it's hard for us to make any proclamations about who it should be without being behind closed doors. But if a guy hasn't emerged behind the scenes, if and and maybe, maybe it is Rasmus Anderson or Mackenzie Weger or... Certainly, we know Michael Backlund has a leadership role in there. Like, if there's not one guy who stands out, I just think there's also some danger in trying to pinpoint a guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I think that's the trouble. If we we can come up with a bunch of options, but if it's not clear in that room, I just don't know if you can sort of jam it in there. Yeah, and Pat, you've talked a lot about this. For me, the obvious candidate is Michael Backlund for so many reasons. His tenure with the team, you know, if he signs an extension, he's probably going to play a 1,000 games and become the second player in the history of the franchise to do that, wearing the Flaming Sea. Uh, and I really think that he stepped up as a leader this season. And you've talked a lot about how last offseason, Daryl Sutter challenged him to do that. Uh, Mark Giordano leaving left a huge void inside of that dressing room. He had been the captain for such a long time. He was uh, the conduit between the, the players and the coaches. Uh, he did so much in the community, and that left a big hole. Well, I think Michael Backlund really took a massive step forward as a leader last season. And uh, something else you've talked about, Pat, is how when some decisions had to be made, he was the guy that they were going to. Uh, do we need to stay overnight? instead of flying home 
he was the guy that Sean O'Brien was going to uh, asking those questions to. So I think Michael Backlund uh, got out of his comfort zone a little bit, got out of his shell a little bit last season and was a bigger voice in that room and was making some decisions that uh, he hadn't previously made. So for me, he's the obvious choice, but I'm also not giving the guy a C if he's going to be gone at the end of next yeah, season. Exactly. Even if he signed a two-year extension, then you know what? Maybe he is just a go-between between not having a captain, giving him the C for a few seasons, and then giving to someone like Rasmus Anderson or Mackenzie Weger after that, or Jonathan Huberto or somebody else. But uh, I think it'd be great if they had a captain next season, but I don't think it should be a square peg in a round hole. We're going to name a captain just to name a captain. You have to have the right guy, and you have to have the right guy who's going to be here for at least a few years, in my opinion. And it's great point, Wilsey, because I was thinking of this the whole time you were talking about the reasons that it should be Michael Backlund. If he is your captain behind the scenes, if that's the guy that the group looks to as their leader, and he's still in the room and you give it to somebody else, I'm not sure that guy has the impact that he needs to have. And and yeah. I say that about the new captain. So right. So if you're not going to put it on Michael Backlund because you're not sure of his future, and I can absolutely support that decision, well, as long as he's in your room, I'm not sure you can put it on anybody else. Right. That's fair. Yeah. We could probably get a couple more roundtables out of this one. <laughs> I think you've. I think you've Great got it. To talk about. I think you've got an important summer to go through, and then I think that you can make a a little bit more of a declaration come training camp when you have a better idea what your roster looks like and what every how everything's going to shake out and you know you'll you'll know you know maybe all of a sudden Jonathan Huberto and Daryl Sutter put their differences aside and that's at a better place. Well. Pretty big leadership qualities for number ten. There's some, oh, yeah. you know, like there's or or Rasmus Anderson is now tops of our list of guys. When you want something to be said honestly, number four is going to say it. And he, after that, after the it was the Chicago loss. I remember nobody was talking. It was like ninety seconds or sixty seconds of post game, and then I got the Rasmus Anderson final. It was six and a half minutes. You're like. Geez, that is the most gutting loss of the season. And here's Rasmus talking and being honest and, you know, talking honestly about how frustrating the loss was, but also talking earnestly about how this thing ain't over even still. And and obviously it did a lot of damage to them, but I just, I really appreciated his leadership skills as well. So I just, I think they have options. I think that you can do it for next season. That's that's my synopsis of the whole thing. Yeah, and I again, I probably wouldn't do it with Jonathan Huberville right now just because there's going to be enough pressure on him to bounce back as it is next season, and I think adding the C would put more on his plate. But I don't want to rule him out as the long-term best possible candidate, especially if these pending UFAs aren't back. Uh, he's under contract for another eight years, and despite what was a really challenging season for him in so many ways, he was still there answering our questions whenever we needed him to. And just the way he he's able to to handle himself, uh, especially during tough times, I think that says a lot about uh, him as a leader. So uh, the good news is the Flames do have a, a lot of good candidates. The issue is a bunch of them are pending UFAs. Yeah. So uh, tough to answer right now. I know we're almost out of time here, boys, so I'll just leave a question and and we can maybe circle back to it another time. But we've talked so much about Michael Backlund and and maybe he should be your leader. Well, 
when Mark Giordano got claimed in the expansion draft by the Seattle Kraken, they put the C on his jersey, knowing he might only be there for a few months. And obviously a different case with a, a group coming together as an expansion team. But hey, maybe there's something to that. Maybe if a team needs leadership, you shouldn't worry about how long it's going to last. Yeah. And maybe if, if you want to keep Michael Backlund, giving him the C would help you do that. Great point. I think lots of great points made by uh, you two gentlemen. And some points. And you, Pat. Made, I just made points. You guys made great points. Uh, thank you, Willsie. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. Okay, guys. Have a good night. He is Derek Wills. Mm, he's Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. There's your Daily Flames Roundtable. Uh, a few texts at 960-960. This says, uh, do we not see concerns that this team doesn't really have a leader? Huge problem altogether. Well, I don't think you need to have one leader on a team. I think if you have good leadership inside the room, that's more important. Like, There's more than one leader in Tampa Bay. Victor Hedman's not their only leader. Colorado's played all year without their captain. It hasn't hurt them, and they're just fine. I mean, it's hurt them because Landis Gog's a good player, but it, I don't think it's hurt them in the leadership department. You've got Eric Johnson and Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen, and you know, you've got Lee, Andrew Cogliano's been there and done that. Like they've got Evan Rodriguez has been to on deep playoff runs. Like they've got good players inside that room. So I don't think you need one guy to be the captain. But I do think Having one could be big as this organization is at the crossroads. I think it's a good opportunity to go in that direction this summer or going into next season. Yeah, there's a lot of, I suppose, questions. There's a lot of things on the to-do list for this organization, but that absolutely needs to be one of them. Uh, And Brett S. says, by Sutter not naming a captain, it's saying he's the captain and shows no confidence from him and anyone in the room in his mind. Negative message for sure. Well, we'll see how that all plays out going into next season. Pat West wrapping up this hour. And your Daily Flames Roundtable has been brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. It's not too late. They've extended their 4% loyalty rates on all in-stock 2022 models. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills just minutes from the Calgary Airport.